In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As a slight introduction to this sermon, and the two that will follow the next Sundays, we are starting something that is as close to a sermon series as we typically get in an Episcopal church. So let me give you a rather quick overview to the next three weeks by calling something to mind from the earliest days of the church. Around the fourth and fifth century, Lent became a season of intense preparation for the catechumens, those who were preparing to receive the sacrament of baptism, particularly as adults or even teenagers. The fasting was rather rigorous, and so was the instruction, the catechism. And each year, before we began to have this lectionary cycle of three years, these passages, these next three passages, were read in the Mass like we are doing now, for the entire assembly to hear once again words from Scripture related to the themes of baptism, healing and enlightenment, and resurrection. Fortunately, our lectionary cycle has kept these three readings together in year A, the current year we are in, and we get a taste of what our ancestors in faith heard in the same weeks that we hear them. These sermons, these, or the sermons these next three weeks will reflect that ancient custom. And so today we begin with Jesus and his encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well. This story is, in the way that St. John presents it to us, a parallel or an allusion to baptism. While we do not have St. John the Baptist plunging people under the waters of the River Jordan, nor does Jesus take and sprinkle a little water on the woman and say, you are baptized, the events that transpire are signs and guides to part of what baptism is. Desire, misunderstanding, realization and epiphany, and then a new sense of renewed desire. These four steps all play a part in the Samaritan woman's journey of faith. Let's start with desire and perhaps put it more rightly, the necessity for water. It is well known that water is essential for our daily lives. If you do not drink enough water, your body doesn't function properly. Withhold water from someone for five or six days, and depending on the environment, their condition, and a whole host of factors, that person could begin to approach a critical stage of survival or even death. We, as created beings, are mostly water, and we have a literal thirst for water when we do not have enough. This woman, and it appears Jesus as well, need water. It may not be on death's door, but water is desired and it is necessary. Let's explore this thirst as a metaphor for our own spiritual lives. We all have spiritual thirsts and spiritual desires. We know that thirst and desire to be our yearning for God. The psalmist captures this perfectly in Psalm 63. O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh also longeth after thee, 
in a barren and dry land where there is no water. Oftentimes, though, what happens is in our thirst for God, we confuse what we are really desiring with the allures of the world around us. We look for something, anything to fill our souls. Power, prestige, sex, money, addiction, all to gain some self-actualized concept of being happy. What happens can be sort of like a man who is in the desert and sees an oasis of water and runs with all of his strength and falls down on his knees and begins to lap up the water, only it isn't water, but he's found more sand. The allures of the world are mirages that say to us, we'll make you happy. We will make you feel self-fulfilled. Trust in us to make you popular and well-liked and powerful. But all it is is sand, dead, dry, parching sand, and not the life-giving water that God gives us. Misunderstandings also sometimes occur. The woman at the well doesn't understand Jesus fully. Yes, she understands the need for water, and she knows she wants it. But initially, her mind is set on earthly things still, and not on the spiritual and real water Jesus is offering her. She is concerned at this point with finding water that she doesn't have to work too hard for, coming to the same well every day to get what water was needed. It is the idea that once she receives the living water that Jesus is offering, then all the cares and the troubles of the world will simply disappear. Thinking about our own journeys and walks with our blessed Lord, Let's ponder for just a minute the times when we have all tried to misappropriate the gift of salvation into something that it is not. For example, saying things like this. Oh yes, I'm a Christian. I love Jesus. But all that discipleship stuff, well that just really isn't my style. Or, I was once saved and now I have nothing to worry about. I can do anything I like because I said those little words, you know, I believe in you, Jesus. Or even in the deepest hours of dread and pain and loss, saying, I thought God loved me and nothing bad would ever happen to me again. The misunderstanding the woman has about the water is she misses the point of the living water. It's like becoming a Christian for any other reason than your own love of God and the recognition of his redeeming grace given to us by his son. It's a misunderstanding of what Christ demands for us, anything less than that. Jesus doesn't say, I will give you living water so you can go and do as you please, but rather take up your cross and follow me. But like many people who truly are seeking the truth, truly seeking for a God who loves them and who will have mercy on them, who come to the edge of understanding about what grace truly is, a realization, an epiphany occurs in which all things begin to make sense. The woman at the well was seeking for something that only Jesus could give. 
And it really wasn't water. What we see in the dialogue between the two of them is confession. I have no husband. The biting truth of her status. You have had five husbands and the person you're living with now is not your husband. And then the hope of a Messiah who will redeem his people. I believe in the coming of a Messiah. Let's all be honest for a minute. The paradigm that people will one day just flock back to church because that is what happened in ages past is not true, nor is it going to work any longer. People out there are searching for something. We know what they are searching for. We know it. It's the redeeming love of God. But they are like the woman at the well who can't quite express well enough because they really don't know what they're seeking. They know they're seeking something, but they can't name it. So then they try to find other things to fill that void. Sports, drugs, movies, TikTok videos, fishing, hunting, working on the car, starting a new project, getting married, something that will make them feel whole and loved and part of something important. And where they never look, unless it seems like they are absolutely spent, it's either here to the church or to the cross, to the redeeming love of God. We live in a city of about 22,000 people. We live in a county of almost 69,000 people. How many of them do not know the love of Christ and instead are trying to find that something which makes them whole and they look for it somewhere else? Only they're never filled. And we return to desire, a new desire, a desire for a heart that pleases our Lord. The woman at the well doesn't hoard what has happened to her. She doesn't keep it secret and keep it safe. Nor does she run away from her people, acting as if she is now better than all of them. No, she does that which comes most naturally to the Christian convert. She goes and tells the people in her lives what the saving power of Jesus has done for her. She has been baptized in the Spirit by the words of Jesus. So convincing was her testimony that the town came out to meet Jesus. And you have to remember that Samaritans and Jews did not get along at this time. And what does the town do? They invite Jesus into their town, into their lives, into their hearts. They were ready to receive him because the woman's story was so good that it had to be true. When we turn and give our lives to Christ, our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength, a new desire erupts in our hearts like that of a life-giving spring. We must be like the Samaritan woman who discovered the love of Jesus and bring those whom we love to him. We don't convert them. Only Jesus can do that. 
But our role is to tell, to proclaim, to have a desire for others, especially those whom we love, to come and know this Jesus who has saved us and redeemed us and who loves us. I said at the beginning of the sermon that this is an allusion to baptism. In baptism, we made promises, or they were made on our behalf if we were baptized as infants. And those promises say that we will renounce Satan and the evil powers of this world and all sinful desires. And then we promise that we will turn to Jesus and put our trust in his grace and love, committing to and following him and obeying him as our Lord. And we also promise to continue in the traditions of the apostles in resisting evil and repenting, proclaiming to all we encounter the gospel of Christ, not just serving people, but actively seeking people to serve in Christ's name, lifting each person up and restoring their dignity. The woman at the well not only followed the same pattern, but she found her own self restored. And it is baptism, encountering Jesus through water, that we learn how to be his disciples in a world that needs cleansing of all the hate and the fear and the oppression and the violence. Some words of Rowan Williams, the former Archbishop of Canterbury. He's discussing baptism and he says that what baptism suggests is that the new humanity is created around Jesus is not a new humanity that is always going to be successful and in control of things, but instead is a humanity that can reach out its hands from the depth of chaos to be touched by the hand of God. And that means if we ask the question, where might you expect to find the baptized? One answer is in the neighborhood of chaos. It means you might expect to find Christian people near to those places where humanity is most at risk, where humanity is most disordered, disfigured, and needy. Christians will be found in the neighborhood of Jesus, but Jesus is found in the neighborhood of human confusion and suffering, defenselessly alongside those in need. If being baptized is being led to where Jesus is, then being baptized is being led towards the chaos and the neediness of a humanity that has forgotten its own destiny. A prayer of St. Ephraim the Syrian. O Lord and Master of my life, keep from me the spirit of indifference and discouragement, lust of power and idle chatter. Instead, grant to me, your servant, the spirit of wholeness, of being, of humble-mindedness, patience, and love. O Lord and King, 
Grant me the grace to be aware of my sins and not to judge my brothers. For you are blessed now and ever and forever. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.